Welcome to Wedding and Event Podcast. Frank podcast discussions for event professionals and those planning successful events. With wedding and special event consultant, Toby Dodge of Prepared.com. And Eric Zimmerman, pianist, DJ, and master of ceremonies of ElegantMusic.com. Hello, everyone. The title of this episode is Protocol, Episode 27. There are certain traditions and observances that give guidance to how young women are formally introduced into society. The debutante ball, or cotillion, are announcements of coming of age and a formal introduction of a woman to society. Indeed, the Jewish bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah, or the Spanish quinceañera, are as well announcements and social presentation with ceremonies and traditional observances, each with their own protocol. A wedding is the joining of two people, and by association, the joining of two families. Historically, noble families steeped in tradition prearranged weddings as a matter of state to combine wealth or form political alliances. Loosely, protocol is an agreed-upon way of doing something or getting something done. Though an event is formal, it can be fun. It doesn't have to be stuffy. But nevertheless, it is my opinion that such an event should not be cheapened by incomplete planning or casual presentation. And now please enjoy Protocol, Wedding and Event Podcast, Episode 27. And you know what's interesting about Protocol? Depending on who is talking to you about what's important to them, Mm. culture, religion, I think nationality, it all kind of comes to bear on what is expected. And somehow, I think protocol or at least a portion of it in the United States, has gone by the wayside. In other words, when I started the business so long ago, protocol dancing, protocol and when a welcome was given, when the toasts were offered, the introduction, of asking certain people onto the dance floor beyond the the immediate family was was spoken about I mean just a lot of things in protocol even protocol within a wedding ceremony has changed mm-hmm. so it's not only invitations it's amazing how it has the whole industry and as a whole, the protocol uh, changes have permeated all parts of of a wedding planning and wedding day execution. Mm-hmm. Have you have you seen those changes? Um. I, I have my theories about why things change, um, yeah. but I think the lack of, of education and the, the lack of, of passing down tradition, mm-hmm. um, I, I tell this story a lot about, um, it was a, um, 
an Episcopal priest who was, uh, or minister, who was uh, conducting a memorial service. So what he did was he just said, well, what we're about to do here predates the written word or predates mm. recorded history. And we're going to tell stories about, you know, the honored guest or the, the deceased, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and that this is how knowledge was passed down by, mm-hmm. through the telling of stories. And it wasn't until we, we got the printed word and then, you know, the internet and all this other stuff that we're able to now study about something and study the history books. But before that was all spoken word and, and, you know, that type of thing. And therefore, um, uh, well, here, here's just something interesting I'd like to just impart part about this is that um, I'm reading from Wiki, Wikipedia, Wikipedia, Wikipedia. Thank you. Wikipedia. <laughs> The term protocol is derived via French and medieval Latin from Greek, protocolon, something like that, pardon my Greek. And (laughs) it's the first glued sheet of or onto a papyrus roll. No kidding. And it comes from the act of gluing a sheet of paper to the front of a document to preserve it when it is sealed, (laughs) which imparted additional authenticity to it. So it goes on to saying, in the beginning, the term protocol related to various forms of interaction in official correspondence between states, often elaborate in nature, and in the course of time has uh, come to cover a wide range of international relations. So wow. that's where, where this term protocol started. And, and that, yes, there are certain things that are used to organize proceedings and the interaction between important people, let's just say. Not even, uh, all right, important people, but anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think, I think it, it comes out of common courtesy, really, to acknowledge people who are there and then acknowledge people who are about to speak, let's just say, or to acknowledge the status of someone by offering them the first, I don't know, you know, throwing, throwing the ball out at mm-hmm. a baseball game. Exactly, is part of the protocol. Is a protocol, and it honors that particular yeah. person, and it dignifies those proceedings. So it's an interesting word, protocol. Well, I also think that there is a level of specialness. In other words, a little bit of excitement, almost, that that can be associated with protocol. Absolutely. Yeah, and why I'm mentioning that is I don't think that that specialness or excitement exists as much as it used to in weddings. And, you know, I... I have to say, I, as a young person, hadn't attended many weddings. So for me, it was so exciting when I did because it was something special. Mm -hmm. Nothing that was ordinary about a wedding. And as I actually became a part of the industry... 
it was interesting because I would hear laments from couples that were getting married and saying, oh, you have no idea how busy we are this year. We have six weddings to go to. Uh-huh. We have six weddings to go to. Not, oh, wow, we've been invited to six <laughs> weddings. You know, or we have to drag our you-know-whats to six weddings. Uh-huh. And so what I kept saying to myself, and sometimes I said it to the couples, well, my heavens, you're going to see an awful lot you know, of very special times that you'll be sharing and, and we'll have that experience forever and ever. And you can use it also as a time to see what you like mm-hmm. and what you may not want for your own wedding. I remember saying that a lot, mm-hmm. trying to give them enthusiasm <laughs> to go. And I understood, look, you know, within a four or five month period, you know, which is usually between April and October, that's when the vast majority of weddings used to take place. And so, I mean, that was like one a month. And oftentimes it meant traveling. It didn't always mean that something was around the corner. So I understood it's a great expense. But I don't know if that had part of it, that there were so many weddings at one time Or it became perhaps a little bit of a game of one upsmanship, like let's see what they're doing so that I can do something even better. Okay. That might be a little part of it. Right. Or, oh my God, they're choosing the same colors as I have. Right. Now what am I going to do? Right. I mean, I heard all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Because even 20, 30 years ago, couples wanted to feel special. And so I always thought part of the protocol was a way to feel special. But nowadays, it's almost like taking that protocol and changing it is making their wedding special and different it goes beyond the colors or the backdrop for the wedding or how long your train is or how big your diamond is or any of the other things that i used to hear about it's how can we individualize personalize a wedding and i think that's great But I'm hearing that much of the protocol is going by the wayside in some areas, not all across the United States, but in many areas and somewhat culturally from from other countries as well. I think that presents a wonderful opportunity, actually, to mm-hmm. 
for the couple to rediscover protocol mm -hmm. and to yeah and the meaning behind and it. the meaning behind it and have <laughs> and just you know there's that ongoing discussion that you and i have of the balance between design and function and having um one's attention rightly so on design but there is a beauty there is a design to function Mm -hmm. And that having something move very, very, very smoothly is just, just wonderful. It's just, it, everybody feels great. I mean, there isn't a, a pregnant pause while, <laughs> while somebody's looking for whatever they're looking for. Yeah. And um, I, had a, um, I had a wonderful wedding on Saturday, excuse me, on Friday. I, I got paid a very high compliment by the videographer. He said, um, he said, do you have a card? And I said, yes. He says, well, I'm going to recommend you. And I said, well, that, that's great. Thank you very much. And I kind of stood there and I looked at him for a second, like, like why? You know, I just kind of gave him that, <laughs> that look of just, I wanted him to, I wanted him to talk a little bit more. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So I said, well, that's very nice of you to say that. And then he, this is what he said. He said, um, he says, you ran this like the Academy Awards. And I just and I just thought, well, yeah, thank you. You know, I, this is an important event. He says, yeah. He says, yeah. so many, so many times I see um, these young yahoos going, yo, this and hey, you know, this and give it up for blah blah blah, or you know what it was. And it, it was a very uh, colloquial, um, how can I say it, uh, informal uh, presentation. Yeah. And he says, you put a lot of class into this. Uh, wedding uh, and I just and I went well that's a very keen observation thank you so much for that yeah. um that compliment. well I, I'm gonna say that there's room for both yeah in other words if if a couple wants that classic elegant um very not necessarily formal but traditional mm -hmm. uh in some fashion way of presenting themselves to their friends and family because honestly you reflect anyone who is the MC, DJ, band leader, whoever is the face they're, of the entertainment. They're representing going to be they're representing the exactly. couple. Exactly. Yeah. So whether they know it or not, having somebody who says, "Yo, hey baby" or whatever, that's what they've selected. That's what might work That's for them. What, that might yeah, be correct. That that might be what their their you know avenue of choice is. However, I find it telling that the DJ said that to you because I think it speaks to his comfort level. Well, it wasn't the it wasn't the well. DJ. I was the DJ, but it, it was no. The, I mean the videographer. The, right, Thank the, you. The videographer. Yeah. Yeah, I think that speaks to his comfort level as well or his sense of aesthetics and his sense of, yeah. of yeah. perception yeah 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 that he or another way of looking at it is he is so used to the other way of seeing somebody interact with the guests right that it was a pleasant <laughs> departure uh -huh, uh -huh. you know from that <laughs> where oh it, 
it's actually really nice seeing somebody, you know, really speak well in in the King's English, so to speak. <laughs> and so here you go. Uh, I, I find it fascinating because uh, I remember um, a wedding a while back, and it could have been an anniversary party or a bat mitzvah, bar mitzvah, quinceanera. It doesn't really matter what the event was. However, the honoree, which, you know, was a bride and groom, honorees, I should say, um, they wanted something different so badly in the aesthetics for the centerpieces. I mean, you could have shown them the most beautiful bouquet ever, and they would have said, that's nice. Yeah. That wasn't their point. They wanted to make a statement mm -hmm. about themselves and what they think is, you know, a reflection of what they think is important and to be forward in design maybe, but they just wanted something really different. Mm -hmm. And I remember the florist trying their hardest and gave them three options. And it wasn't until the florist took black lacquered vases and inverted them. And, you know, because a vase, whether they're straight or angled outward like a tulip or whatever shape hourglass has an opening and obviously a bottom yeah and everything was turned upside down so all the tops were flat and everything else was curved or straight on the bottom and then the florist put flowers whether they were hanging down some were in a pot that you couldn't see uh -huh. but were on top of a inverted vase and it did look in interesting i think it was unique however it was placed in a room that was designed from the 40s, 1940s, maybe 50s. Okay. So the lines of the room, the colors of the room had nothing to do with this centerpiece. So there was quite a contrast then. Yes. And so what I'm really saying, whether it comes to protocol or design or the function, it has to be in concert. Okay. Or if somebody is trying to make a statement, is, is literally trying to shake you up, <laughs> whether it's visually or timing or 
and feeling, Mm -hmm. then I'm not saying you can't do that. I'm just saying you have to be prepared for some people to feel like something is out of kilter. Mm -hmm. And I think there are times today when someone will revel in that, that they they just want to mix it up. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Right. I don't particularly think that those centerpieces worked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you yeah, know, okay. but that's my opinion. But uh, unless you did more than just the centerpieces. Mm-hmm. In other words, I was told this by an interior decorator years ago, that a house is really not a home until you have a, a, at least one piece of Asian art in some fashion. It could be small, whatever. It could be the color, could be the shape, could be the materials, but it needs to be Asian. And then to repeat it once, either using the shape, the color, or the subject matter, then your house is decorated Uh and it becomes a home. Uh I don't know where that came from. I don't know if it was something that is, you know, one of those pillars of design interior design uh and that's just the way it is Uh or it's something that's archaic and not you know even spoken about today but i remember Uh it it stuck with me so i almost feel if we could transfer that meaning to a wedding or to another important celebration Mm -hmm. if there are a couple of things in protocol that you just don't walk away from. I don't know what those should be. I'm just saying, if you had to hang your hat on two protocol issues or customs, which ones would you select? Okay. Okay, um, I think you're right that that individuals are individuals and families that come together. I, I love it when when good people find each other mm-hmm. and they get married. And usually the good people have really good families, and then suddenly it's just a um, a love fest. It's a magnification of good. I mean, yeah. there's more good yeah. there. So to find their aesthetic sense. And the agreements that they have amongst each other. It was really funny. I, I was for, for many years, I had worked for um, a company party at a place called Neal Aircraft in, uh, in um, where was it? Long Beach. And one of the activities that they would do, by the way, this company party was at 6 a.m. in the morning. You know, it was like this. It was incredible. You know, like the, the work shift got off. You know, the night shift got oh, off. Oh, the late yeah, they shift. Met the day yeah. shift, and so it all kind of came together, and they all good idea went in, in, in the room. And one of the activities that they did 
uh, one of the games or one of the things that they did was it's an aircraft company and they make air, yeah, aircraft yeah, yeah. parts and they may design things mostly in interior parts of the uh, of the planes and they would set up these tables of uh, scissors and tape and construction paper and and this type of thing and their job each table had their job of creating an airplane okay and that wow. and that they were to fly the airplane and there was a comp- competition for distance. Contests, yes. There was a competition for um, number of minutes or seconds in the air type of a thing. Like, and they, they just gave all these um, uh, awards out and pra- prizes out. And they had to fly it through a, a hula hoop. <laughs> oh, my God. And it was, it was so much fun. It was, it was really amazing. And I could see that a company like that might have as centerpieces for their event they might have um model airplanes or they might have that as a you know sop with camels mm-hmm. or something like this as part of the yeah or a fighter jet or something like that and yeah so anyway i i, I could see that you, you take the personality of the person and you, and you put that in there and then that becomes their agreement it's it's their expression of of the beauty mm-hmm. that's there now i think that one of the things that really defines a couple is that their their level of agreement and communication and if the protocol could reflect their sense of organization and their sense of communication and their sense of progress from one thing to the next i'm sorry i'm being very um esoteric at this point no but um it's okay but it may be that a, that a couple that's, that's disorganized, you could mm-hmm. find beauty in that disorganization and then conduct the festivities in a ca- more casual, not so uh, mm-hmm. defined way. Now, just because, mm-hmm. just because an event is well-planned and highly organized and informal mm-hmm. doesn't mean it has to be stuffy. Absolutely. And and that's why I wanted to find out from you what two protocols you would hang on to. Because oftentimes when I would speak with couples who said, look, you know, we just don't want to do the normal, you know, da, 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 da. And, and I would say, hey, I understand. You know, I would ask them, are there or is there <laughs> one thing you want to make sure happens or doesn't happen? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, because I thought, you know, probably there are a few things that they still want to do. But there might be that one thing or maybe two that they absolutely don't want to do. And the first thing to go over the years has been the bouquet toss and garter throw. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's what I've seen over the years. It's just, you know, disappeared Mm -hmm. from a lot of weddings, as well as the cake cutting. A lot of couples, you know, choose to have dessert tables. And sometimes they'll share a cupcake, but it's not going to be a big to-do where everybody sits, you know, stands around and (laughs) watches them take a bite of a a cupcake. You know, it, it just doesn't. But, um so anyway, that's what I've seen. So I was wondering, you know, if if you had a couple and they said, oh, we just don't want to 
you know, do that stuff. Well, okay, okay. Uh, some a uh, one one way that I would approach that issue mm-hmm. issue with them or or something is yeah. is to establish what they what they agree should happen. Mm-hmm. In other words, we we agree that there should be a ceremony. We agree that people should enter the ceremony. In other words, you know, the guests would arrive and then the bridal party would get in there somehow. And we can play around. We can be very artistic with, with the entrance of the bridal party. We could very, be very, and I remember there was this one, one bride who, uh, he walked from one side of the field and she walked mm-hmm. from the other side of the field and they mm-hmm. met mm-hmm. there. And oh, that was a, a great visual. It was really something where they both per- they processed at the same mm-hmm. time to meet. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is there is the agreement that people should arrive, and mm-hmm. and that the event should start, and that the event continues, and then it ends, and then always the next thing happens. So I look to establish those fundamentals, mm-hmm. and then from there we say, well, then now how are we going to dress this up, or how are we going to change it? Mm-hmm. And does it have to be that it's the best man and maid of honor toasts and then somebody else, you know? Sometimes I like to have the father of the bride not toast at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I would like him to toast after dinner just before the father-daughter dance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a Mm -hmm. beautiful segue Mm -hmm. between he's talking and now he's out on the dance floor with his daughter and everybody's crying, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) Well, I I don't honestly know if this... Uh, was protocol years ago or not. But I I recall having fathers uh, before the first dance welcome everyone and then ask his daughter to dance with him. Right. And then the groom would cut in and then he would dance with his wife and then while the bride and groom were dancing as well. And then the mother and father of the bride would split and dance with the father-in-law and mother-in-law. Then the bride and groom, I mean, this would would go on for a while. Mm -hmm. Then the bride and groom would uh, signal to their wedding party to come up and then they too would split and they would dance with her father-in-law and his mother-in-law. Really? Yeah. I actually saw that go on. Well, I, you know, yeah. I, if, if you could find a reference uh, on that. To that, to that yeah. And, ju- and here, yeah. because what I'd like, I'd like to publish that. I'd like to do a, a blog post yeah. and really study it. Yeah. And then yeah. I'd love to have that documented so to speak just for someone that that would like to consider those options i know and (laughs) at the rehearsals i would practice it with them you know because it it was the kind of thing is like how do you let go of somebody Mm. or do you tap them on the shoulder Mm. do you put your hand on their upper arm Mm -hmm. how how do you approach somebody you know so that they wouldn't feel awkward i mean there were some couples that you know this was no big deal 
but there there were some couples that were absolutely you know uh, in a fright uh-huh. to do this in front of other people uh-huh. even though they knew they had to uh-huh. for their own reasons nothing to do with me wow yeah i, I had a chance to perform probably about seven years in a row for a debutante ball. And there was someone there, and I should, I should find out who this person was, who went in there and drilled everybody. And they practiced uh, oh. the, day, the day of, but I'm sure yeah. that this person uh, had met with them the whole year to practice this. Wow. Um, and it was a very interesting program where they were doing community service, actually. Oh, sure. And, they always do. Yeah. yeah. And so that they developed that relationship of working together and having that fun together and, and having these uh, this responsibility on, on the young girls uh, to become better per- people or whatever whatever the purpose was for that. But I, but I saw it was a real mentoring program. It was a real growing program. And, and this particular lady would come in and she says, and you take the left hand of your father's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then yeah. you go around and you walk around him once. And then you, you know, and there was this whole thing. Yeah. I remember seeing that. And I, again, I, I think that to, to document that and to send it forward into the future for future couples, I think would be keeping a, a tradition alive and. Yeah, I'm sure it's we could Google it and it's somewhere <laughs> online for us to uh, to pick up. But protocol uh, takes up so many different areas if you think about it. Not only in the protocol of uh, the ceremony or reception, toasts or dancing or whatever, but not everyone has an engagement party. Right. Not everyone has a brunch. Mm-hmm. Not everyone has a send-off. Mm-hmm. Years ago, a bride would change her clothes, especially if it had been a daytime wedding, which it would be interesting to find out if there's statistics on, on this as to how if daytime weddings have decreased or increased over the years and for what reasons but i remember maybe i'm i'm just being very sentimental here but i remember watching movies where because i honestly didn't attend many weddings as a young person but i remember watching movies where uh, which were probably from the 30s and the 40s and the 50s and that after they either had a breakfast, a wedding breakfast, or a, it was an evening affair, that the bride would change her clothes, and, and so would the groom, uh-huh. and, and into a traveling suit, and they would get a corsage, and then they would, you know, be driven off or go on their own in a car with cans and everything, you know, strung at the back bumper uh-huh. and away they they would go and i i find it fascinating because that just isn't done anymore i mean sometimes they'll be in a 
you know, a, a huge limousine or one of those uh, huge uh, SUVs and they'll decorate, you know, the windows or write with one of those soap uh, crayons or something, you know, things like that. But it isn't the same. The tradition has definitely changed. Sometimes the bride and groom will go upstairs in a hotel. Right. You know, at the end of the oh, evening. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the convenience of you the know. hotel. Yeah, yeah it's the convenience. Yeah. I just find it fascinating, you know, when you think about how somebody used to do something and how it just changes and, you know, evolves. I think we could probably talk about this a lot more. You have been listening to Wedding and Event Podcast with Toby Dodge and Eric Zimmerman. If you have a question, comment, or topic suggestion, please call Eric at 626-797-1795 or contact Eric by email, eric at elegantmusic.com. That's E-R-I-C at elegantmusic.com. Contact Toby by email, toby at prepared.com. That's T-O-B-E-Y at P-R-E-P-A-I-R-E-D dot com. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and receive a new episode each week. Thank you for listening. <laughs>